and verse 10. All right? So we're going to read 1 John 5, verse 4. First, right? We got it there. We all got it. We all there? If you need help, ask somebody beside you to help you. Doing discipleship recently with somebody. And um, I, I asked him, did he get any of the questions done on discipleship? And he said, no, I didn't know any of the answers. <laughs> okay. And so we sat down to do discipleship, and I realized he had no clue how to look up the Bible. I mean, none. Uh, he had no idea how to actually look up things in the Bible. And once I showed him how to look up things in the Bible, he was away. Uh, he, he, had, he had it down. <clears throat> so if you, what happens is that as you spend time in the Word and as you spend time reading it, you do get to the place where you're able to actually find your way around it pretty well. All right, there's always the index in the front of it. Use that if you need to. All right, so we're all there. All right. So 1 John 5 verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, what do you think he's talking about when he says whatsoever is born of God? Who's he talking about? Yeah, us. He's talking about for whatsoever is born of God, for you overcome the world. Do you feel like you overcome the world? What would that look like? Uh, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You feel like you enjoy victory in your life. Sometimes as believers, we feel like we're the downtrodden ones. We feel like we're the ones that, uh, you know, that, that, that at least have it together. But that's not the plan of the New Testament. And John isn't speaking about victory in heaven, but he's speaking about victory on earth, a daily victory. Now, if this verse is not true in your life, what's wrong? Do we need to re rewrite the Bible? Or do we need to check ourselves and say, now hang on a minute, this should be true in my life? Is that fair? Isn't that fair that whenever you come to a place in the Bible where you look at the Bible and the Bible says one thing, but your experience or your life says something else, that you need to take your experience and kick it out, and you need to take the Bible word and say, okay, Lord, make this real in my life. Because that's the plan. The Holy Spirit didn't write the word of God uh, just for the fun of it. He wrote it because it was real, and he wants it to be real in your life. Now, we'd all like to be victorious, wouldn't we? We'd all like to feel what it was to be an overcomer and to enjoy, right? And if the word of God says that because you're born again, you can, or you can be, have victory, you can be an overcomer, then that's true. See what it says at the end? Of, Even our faith. What does that mean? I think very often for us, the problem is that we're looking for victory within ourselves. And we're not looking for it through faith. What's faith? Faith is believing God. Believing that he's good. Believing that he's going to be good to me. It's kind of the heart of it. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's believing that this God I serve is going to be good to me, that when he makes promises to me in the word that he's going to fulfill them. But here's what happens to us. We, we, we look at our experience 
Okay, I can't because I got this problem. One day, Peter's out in a storm in the water, and <clears throat> in the dark of the night, Jesus comes walking along, and <clears throat> the guys in the boat are terrified. And then they realize it's Jesus. He tells them it's him. And Peter gets this mad notion. I think it's a mad notion. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I really don't have any desire to walk on water. I certainly don't have any great desire to walk on water in the midst of a storm. Right? But he gets this crazy notion, and he says, if it be you, bid me come to you. So Jesus says, yeah, go ahead. So Jesus looks at Peter, he steps out of the boat, and he walks on water. Apart from Jesus, as far as I know, he's the only man that ever walked on water. Right? He walked on water, uh, and he, he walks to Jesus. Did he do it because he was a super-powered guy that wasn't affected by water? No, how did he do it? Yeah, by faith. He trusted what Jesus said. And then all of a sudden, he started looking at the, at the waves. And he went, oh, no. What have I done? And he started to sink. Right? What happened for him? His eyes shifted from faith to sight. And he started going down. I think that the reason we're not victorious is because we try to do it by sight. We try to do it by what we've got in us. We don't have anything in us. We couldn't save ourselves. We can't do any of this stuff ourselves. But we're, we're geared to think that way, aren't we? You know, we're geared to think what's up to you. Get on with it. God saved you. Now get on with it. Do the right thing. But listen, you, you weren't able before you were saved. You're not able after you're saved. It's by faith. If you're going to have victory, if you're going to walk on water, it's going to have to be by faith. There's no other way for you to do it. All right, that's a word of prayer. We'll read the rest of our verses. Father in heaven, would you bless us? Lord, everybody in this room wants victory. Everybody in this room wants to overcome. Uh, everybody in this room wants to live the fullness of the Christian life. And yet, Lord, the truth is that, uh, Lord, in, in our flesh dwells no good thing, Lord. And when we look to our flesh, we always fail. Now, would you bless us? Would you help us tonight as we look to your word? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay, so there are promises in the Bible of a victorious life for us. And you have to understand this, too. When you look at the, by sight, when you look at the water, when you look at yourself, you're going down. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. See, the enemy doesn't mind if you're a failing Christian. He doesn't care about that. That doesn't bother him. Uh, he doesn't mind if you're uh, an overcome Christian. But if you get to the place where you're actually walking in the reality of what Jesus bought for you on the cross, you get scary to him. Right? <clears throat> so uh, he's going to do everything he can uh, to stop you. But God is greater than the devil. And if he says you can have it, you can have it. It's yours. You can have it. All right, so John 7, verse 37 and 38. Have you got that one first? John 7, verse 37. I want you to see it yourself. See, if you see it yourself, it's actually more helpful than somebody just saying it to you. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, 
let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which uh, they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Right? Now, what's he saying there? Uh, Let's catch the, the, the word picture. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, he's not saying, you know, there's going to be a little bubble up to the top and a little tiny overflow. That's not what he's saying. He could have said that. Jesus knew how to use words to express what he wanted to say. He's not even saying a river is going to flow out. He's saying rivers of living water. Now, what would that look like? Talk to me here. What would that look like? Rivers of living water flowing out of you. Now, he's given us the key. He's told us it's the spirit. So it's spiritual life, and it's rivers of living water flowing out of us. What would that look like? What do you think? See, here's the thing. We, if, we don't know what it's, what it, if we haven't worked out what it would look like, how would we know when it happened? What would rivers of, what was Jesus talking about? Okay, so <clears throat> living waters, what would that do? Pardon? Make you wet, okay. All right, we'll make you wet, that's true. Now, <clears throat> um, refresh you, okay. Um, sorry? Gives life. That's the one I'm looking for. Yeah? I mean, the others are true too. But, but it gives life. You know, you, you can have a desert place where there's, you know, nothing. It's parched. It's, you, you put enough water on it, and if there's seed in there, all of a sudden, life happens. Water is life-giving. And it's living water, so he's kind of given us a clue there. It's life-giving. So <laughs> whatever this water is... It should leave life around you. Right? Now, would that affect you? Of course it would. Of course it would. Do you ever feel just totally dead? There's not much rivers of living water flowing out of you when you're feeling totally dead, is there? It would affect you. I mean, I mean, having rivers of living water flowing out of you would, would, would have to be a sweet thing. Would it be good for others? I'm going to sit down and start answering myself here. If you don't, if you don't start answering me here, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to sit down and start talking to myself here, right? <laughs> would it be good for others? Yes. Okay, good. All right. Uh, it would be good for others. But other people would be helped and affected by it. Right? So... Here's the thing, your Christian life, God has given you power to overcome, and Jesus is saying that he wants your life to be such that rivers of living water flow out of you, and people get touched, and their li- you bring life to them because of the rivers of living water that are flowing out of you. Now, can you practice having living waters flowing out of you? No. Can you 
dig a well somehow inside of you and get living waters out. No. That's not your job. That's something God does. Rivers of living water flow out of you. You see, we're not supposed to be proud. I'll, 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 I'll unbox this for you in a second. But you know that you're not just a normal person. It was never intended that the children of the living God should be normal people. We're people that are touched by him, filled with his spirit, and the world is touched by the fact that we're here. That's the plan. Now, <clears throat> you, you, do you know this? Most of you, if you think hard enough, even if you don't know who it is, there's somebody that got touched, that got touched by your life because of your Christianity. Somebody that just went, wow, what happened there? That looked at your life and they got, and they got drawn into something. Sometimes they've gotten saved. You know, because they saw something real in you. And you, know, you, you, may, you may say, well, I'm not, I'm not the best Christian girl. No, you may not be. But the reality is that the spirit of, living God, of the living God came in to dwell in you when you got saved. And what happened is other people get touched by it. Other people get affected by it. That's, that's not even something that you do. That's something that happens because you're his. Because he's, he's there in you and they see it and they catch it and they get, uh, they get touched by it. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to have some surprises. And I think sometimes we're going to be surprised at what happened in our lives and how people were touched by our lives. I think, I think that's, that's just real. Those moments when we walked with God by faith and we're going to find, yeah, just people got touched. Somebody explained it once. It says, you ever take a uh, food dye and, and you put it in a glass of water, just a drop of food dye in a glass of water. Well, it spreads through the water and affects all the water. The, the, the food dye may be, uh, you know, bright red, but the water turns kind of pinkish. But that food dye goes all the way through it. Do you know that as you walk through life, you touch things, and because the Spirit of God dwells in you, He touches people. And that's what God is planning to do. Sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes we're not even aware of it. Sometimes God's just doing it. He's just using your life to touch people. Right? <clears throat> the worst thing you can do is take it on yourself and make yourself responsible for it, because you're not. That's rivers of living water flowing out of you, simply because you're his child. Now, look though what else it says in these verses. <clears throat> See what it says in the beginning, if any man thirst. Here's the thing. Do we thirst for living waters? Are we happy enough? Are we happy enough just to go around with our lives and just be regular Joes? Or do we, do we thirst for living waters? Now, folks, Thirsting for living waters is not about you, you know, just wanting to be normal. Right? No, it's, it's, it's something greater than that. It's you thirsting to be used, you thirsting for other people's lives to be blessed and affected by your life. 
It's you longing for that. There's, there's a lot of longings in our lives that are, that, are, that are not the best thing. There are some longings that are good. This is one of those ones that's good. If any man thirsts, were you thirsty? When you're thirsty, folks, it's not comfortable, is it? Yeah, you go for a walk or you go for a run or you're playing football or whatever it is you're doing and you're thirsty. Oh, that glass of water tastes pretty good, doesn't it? You are longing for and there's nothing like water when you're thirsty. Coke won't do it. Uh, <clears throat> it takes water to really get your thirst sorted, doesn't it? And <clears throat> so sometimes there's a thirst in you, there's a longing in you for more. More of him. More of his way. That's a good thing. Jesus said, if any man thirst. Now, what was Jesus saying to the people that didn't thirst? See, I'm making Martin thirsty. <laughs> um, what was Jesus saying to the people that weren't thirsty? If any man thirst, come unto me. What was he saying to the people that don't thirst? Come on, help me. Come on, you can think. You can say it. What? Sorry, Francis. Okay, that's the your life to touch other people and you, you know or, or, or are you just hanging on there in there till the end and the quicker comes the better like that, that kind of grimness that can can get over us so we're just we're just kind of hanging in there or you say no I want my life to count I want my life to count I, I want people to be blessed by my life right <clears throat> so if any man thirst, let him come. If you're not going to come, you're not thirsty and you don't come, I can't help you. This is the amazing thing about Jesus, right? <clears throat> Jesus died on the cross to pay the sins for everybody he ever met and everybody that would be born. He, he paid the price for all of them, right? But do you know that he never ran after anybody? He, he would come and he would say, look, if you want it, I'm here. He never forced it on anyone. He, he would just say, if you want to come. And you see, that's up to you. That's up to you to live your life on a level where you say, no, I, want, I want more than this. Not I want more than this for me. I want more than this because I want, to, want people's lives touched and changed. See, the pharaohs had this great idea. They would build huge monuments so that they would be remembered long after they were gone. It worked. You know, we, we, we have the pyramids out in Egypt, and you know what? We remember those guys that built those, built those um, pyramids. But you know what? <clears throat> Didn't affect anybody. Your legacy, the memorial to you, if you like, is the fact that out of your belly, rivers of living waters flowed. 
And people got touched and lives got changed. And we're going to see in a second how exactly that happens. You got a thirst. You got to come to Jesus and see what he says. He that believeth on me, he that trusts in me, depends upon me. Now, folks, we can spend all day talking about that phrase. It does not say, he that learns all the books of the Bible. It does not say, uh, you know, he that uh, memorizes uh, certain books, he that knows certain prayers, he that lives in a certain way, does certain things. It says, he that believeth on me. Now, believing on him will cause you to want to memorize scripture. Believing on him will change your life. But that's not what does it. What does it is believing on him. Now, in order for you and I to believe on him, we've got to stop believing on me. I can't do it. It was never intended that I could do it. God never intended for us to be able to do it. Do you know that he made us broken? Well, <clears throat> after the curse, let's put it that way. He made us broken purposefully. He made us with needs. He made us with stuff that we couldn't fix. He made us with problems. And the problems are supposed to cause us to thirst, and they're supposed to cause us to come to him and to believe on him. And when we believe on him, what happens is his power comes in and changes our brokenness into his wholeness. But it's his power, it's not your power. He doesn't want you depending upon your power. He wants you looking on his wholeness. And we need to understand, it's not me. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm not going to be able to change the world or change anybody. But if I walk with him, if I believe on him, if I, if I come to him, right? So I come to him with my brokenness. I'm thirsty. Now watch this, because there's a picture here. I come empty and broken and thirsty. I come to him. I trust in him. And then he says, well, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. Now, what happens in the middle there? How does that happen? I get my thirst sorted, don't I? Because if I'm going to have rivers of living water that's going to affect everybody else, then you know what? In the, in the mix of it, he satisfies my thirst. In the mix of it, he gives me what I need. But he gives me what I need plus an abundance more to help other people. You know, water's a strange thing, isn't it? <clears throat> you know, you can drink a liter of water when you're really thirsty. But when you've drunk your liter of water, man, it's dead to you, isn't it? You don't want any more water. You know, there's, there, you know, there's, nobody pigs out on water. <laughs> You know, you just, you just don't do that. It's just you drink what you need, and when, when you've drunk it, it's done. There's no, there's no sugar in it to, uh, to draw you back to it. <clears throat> None that you can taste anyway, right? And um, you see, water's kind of like that. It's kind of one of those things that when you get satisfied, you're satisfied, and that's it. Right? So what happens is you come to him. He satisfies you, and then he gives you an abundance to share. He wants you to be a, a water carrier. 
He wants, he wants it to flow through you into the world. Because the rest of the world's thirsty too. They don't know what they're thirsty for. They think they're thirsty for houses and cars and pleasure and drugs and all kinds of things. But they're not. They're thirsty for Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to satisfy anybody. That's the only thing that's going to ultimately satisfy that thirst. That's, he's, he's, the, he's the living water. There's, there's nothing apart from him that's going to satisfy them. And so, I mean, you can spend your life, and people do, people spend their whole lives going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, looking for something to satisfy the thirst, and never find it. Even Christians do. Spend their time wandering around looking for something to make them feel better when he says, that's not going to help you. You need to come to me. You need to thirst after him and come to him. He's the only way. So read it again, then we'll move on to our next verse. Um, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, Jesus is standing and he's, you know, he's standing somewhere, I imagine, up, up a bit higher than everybody else. And he's saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What, is it, what does that look like to these people? Are they going to come to Jesus and drink? What, what would they be going, what would they, what would they think of that? Sorry? They, they might have been a bit confused, just like we are sometimes, right? But what was he doing at this point in his life? He was going around teaching. And he was speaking with authority. And there was something about the way he spoke. Never man spake like him. They would sit all day listening to him. They wanted to be around him. He was healing. He was he was he was he was <clears throat> doing miracles amongst them. They, they just wanted to be around him. You know, coming out to him just means being with him. Just be with him. Look at John 15. Keep your finger there. Um, look at John 15 with me. One of the loveliest pictures in the Bible, and there are lots of lovely pictures in the Bible. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, often as we get focused on verse 2, and there's a lot of, a lot of thought, food for thought in there in verse 2, right? But let's not focus on that. Um, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Right? What's he saying? Abide means dwell. Come live with me. Hang out with me. Spend time with me. Get to know me. Abide in me, and and I in you. Because the branch can't bear fruit of itself. It it, it only bears fruit um, when it abides 
uh, when it's connected to the, to the vine, and you bear fruit when you're connected to the vine. Now, here's the thing. Do you know that if you're connected to the vine, you will bear fruit, even if you don't see it? You will bear fruit, because that's the promise. You abide in him, and you will bear fruit. You will be satisfied, your thirst will be satisfied, and you will bear fruit in your life. You'll go home to glory, and God will show you things he did because of you abiding in him, and you'll say, no, not me. And he's, and he'll say, no, it wasn't you, but it was me through you. Because you know what God is looking for? God is not looking for great fellows to do great things for him. All the greatness that is, was ever needed for anything is found in him. Do you know what he's looking for? He's looking for some people uh, to, to abide in him. He, he's looking for friendship, for fellowship, for people that will let him use them to touch the world. That's what he's looking for. Now listen, we're nothing. But when we abide, we qualify for him to use his greatness through us and touch everybody. And he does. God's good at what he does. He, ne he, never, he never misses it. And all you've got to do is abide. That's all you've got to do. Now, I can get all complicated about telling tell you about the word and about all, all the rest. No, no, no. Listen, just abide. Just, just hang out with him. Spend time with him. Him in you and you in him and you walking together real close. And what's going to happen is you're going to have a life that counts. It doesn't even matter if you're on a sick bed. You're going to have a life that counts. It doesn't matter if it all doesn't go your way and, and, and you know, life doesn't work out the way you want it to. You're going to have a life that counts. Just abide. Just walk with him. See, he's got the power. He's got the plans. He's got all of it. You just need to abide. You just need to believe. You just need to come. You just need to drink. Spend time with him. You know, sorry about Mary and Martha. Uh, Martha's in the kitchen preparing dinner. Mar Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's upset because Jesus won't send, tell Mary to get up and do something. Right? And um, so, but Mary is there sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, and it shall not be denied her. And that frustrates the life out of the Marthas in the room, doesn't it? The people that want to make stuff happen and, and do it, and nobody will get up and help them to do it. But what was he saying about Mary? Mary's doing the important thing. She's spending time with me. That's the important thing. You spend time with him. And powerful things happen. You don't have to do it. That's our problem. Our problem is we think I'm a failure because I don't do it. You don't have to do it. You're not able to do it. What you need is you need to spend time with him. Get to know him. Abide in him. Come get him to satisfy your thirst. That's what you need. That's the only thing that's going to change it. And it'll change you first. And then it'll flow through you and change other people. It's just abiding in him. All right, John chapter 10.
John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, is that your picture of the Christian life? Life more abundantly. When I was young, I went to Mass every Sunday because my mother and father made me um, I learned how to get in and out in the shortest possible time and still be able to say, I got mass. And to me, you know what? The God I was learning about just hated fun. He just hated fun. He was, he was the biggest spoiled sport ever. And he wanted, he wanted me, as far as they were telling me, he wanted me, uh, you know, uh, living on bread and water in a cave somewhere, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a hairy robe. And that would be the only thing that would make him happy. And he probably wouldn't even be happy then. That was, the, listen, I don't know. I, nobody taught me that exactly, but that's what, that was my perception of God. And so I decided, you know what, God's not in, God's not in Christianity. I decided to go looking for God somewhere else, maybe in the Eastern religion, somewhere else. God had to be somewhere else because I knew there had to be a God. Right? But the, the, the point I want to make is this. That was not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible said, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If you think being a Christian means you have left less life, you've gotten it back to front. You've gotten it upside down, back to front and inside out, and that's not what God is saying to you at all. What's God saying to you? God said, I want you to have abundant life. Now, don't get me wrong. Abundant life is different to the life that you live in the world. Very different. Right? <clears throat> Let me say this. If I gave you 2,000 euros right now and I told you to go out and have fun, right? Yeah, you, could, you could get rid of 2,000 euros fairly quickly having fun, couldn't you? But when you'd spent the 2,000 euros, would you be satisfied and full and happy? Not full no more. Pardon? It's not enough fun anymore. <laughs> no, after you've spent it, there's no fun. Yeah. Okay. So, so what would happen is you'd you spend the money. You know, you could spend it real foolishly. You could spend it even on buying stuff and so on. But you know what? When the two thousand euros was spent, it was gone. And you know, you wouldn't be any poorer. Isn't that true? Because yeah. yeah, we all have money from time to time, and we spend it. And, you know what? It's promised great things, but it hasn't done business. In fact, they said that if you have enough money, you can make you very empty. It can actually make you, make you empty. Now, there's nothing 
nothing wrong with money. That's not the problem. The problem is it just can't satisfy you. The, the world can't satisfy you. Nothing in the world can satisfy you. Ultimately. So when Jesus is saying to you, he wants you to have a life and he wants you to have it more abundantly, he's not talking about the fall of the world there. He's not talking about the things of the world at all, because he knows what we take a long time to find out that the world doesn't satisfy. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in it. Do you know the only thing that satisfies you and I as, as human beings is the love relationship with him. That's the only thing that's going to satisfy us. That's what we're searching for. That's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for something that feels like love. Heroin, pleasure, money. Something that makes us feel inside like we're loved. And you can only find it in heaven. It's the only place you can find it. There's no one else to find it. So when Jesus says, I'm <coughs> coming that you might have life and that you have, might have it more abundantly, He's not kidding, which might not necessarily recognize what a woman's life looks like. Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like no fun. How could you have a abundant life if you have my impression of it? You know, where you're in a straight jacket and you just live with nothing going on in your life. How could that be abundant? There's nothing abundant like that. I mean, the very word abundant, it's kind of a, you know, it's a big word, isn't it? I mean, he, he could have said, I am come that I might have a little more life. He didn't. Until I come that I have my life, and that I might have it more abundantly. It's kind of like everything God does is over the top. In the sense, he just gives more than is necessary. Because he's a giver. He's, he's the greatest giver of them all. Right? And so he says, I come that you might have life, and then you might have it more than one No, here's a hard question. Can you have a bubble life right now? Could you honestly say that, yeah, I'm having a bubble life? Now, if you're not, why not? Why, why? We have to all admit our times when we're not. We're not doing so well. But if we're not, why not? Okay, 
If we sin in our lives, or we constantly turn to God. And by the way, when there's sin in your life, the problem with sin in your life is that you're not willing to get rid of it. That's the problem with sin. Don't let the enemy beat you up over something. The Bible says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, and to cleanse us small and righteousness. Which means, if well, I've got sin in my life, and I say, stink, that was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, would you forgive me? He says, yes. And it's done. It's over. Right? But, you know, if what I'm doing is I'm trying to hide it from him. Yeah, we're going fine. He won't find that. You can't hold on to it. So when you got sin in your life that you're hiding, that's, that's your role. If I regard iniquity in my heart, then the Lord will not hear me. Yeah, it becomes a part. He, he's, he's saying, give me that stuff that's behind your back. And it's not you fixing yourself even that, okay, okay, I'm not going to be done with sin. It's you, it's you confessing that, Lord, it's wrong. Or cleanse me. I'm going to take it away because I'm not even myself. It's not you, you know, Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and making it happen. You're not able. You've never been able. But our default, because we're human beings, is I fix the problem. I made the problem, I fix the problem. No, you're not able to fix the problem. <clears throat> you're not able to actually sort it out. What you need is you need to come to him and, and, and you need to trust in him, believe on him. Not try and fix it yourself. How, how, how has that worked for you? Trying to fix it yourself. Have you done well? See, some of you have got a little bit of discipline. Maybe you were, you know, you were raised in a home where, you know, where somebody made sure you made your bed and did, and you did some things in your life, and, you, and you've got a little bit of discipline, and you kind of think, but it only goes so far. And you fail. You start sinking again. But it's coming to the place where you say, no, I'm not able. Um, he, he made us, <clears throat> let, let me read you this. Um, <clears throat> Trumbull said this in his little book. He said, um, <clears throat> Respectable people need victory over themselves and pet sins. Faith does nothing. Faith lets, faith lets God do it all. One qualification that you must have for the victorious life is the broken pinion, the broken nature, uttermost weakness. Now, that's not what the world teaches you. The world teaches you, you can do it. Get it together. You can do it. You know, pull yourself together. You're, you're a human being. Make it happen. But in order for me to come to the place where he can fix my problem, I've got to recognize my weakness. And that sucks. We hate that. We hate being, you know, being that humble that we got to come and say, I can't do it. I'm not able to do it. And we are so susceptible to pride as soon as he starts doing something in our lives. As soon as he starts do, doing something in our lives. Listen, I'm telling you about it. Peter kept walking on the water. Peter would have been going around swaggering and saying to the guys, you know what? I walk on water. What would you? That's just the way we are. As soon as anything good happens that God does, we, 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 we tend to step into it and take, and take responsibility for it, and it's not true. No, we're broken, we're weak, we can't. We need him. 
We need him and we need him desperately. You know, we need him when we've sinned. We need him when we're weak. We need him when we've got problems. We need him all the time. We're broken. And it's recognizing that and then coming onto him and out of his belly flows, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It works not because you're a great person. You're not. It works because he's a great God. And he keeps his word. But it's real. You know, it's not something that's kind of, well, I have no idea what that means. Uh, it doesn't mean any, anything much in my life. No, it's real. This is what he wants to do in your life. He, he wants you to understand this victory and to enjoy it. All right, we're going to leave it there. We'll come back to it next week. We'll, we'll talk about our identity in Christ next week. Anybody got a question tonight? Okay, let me ask you to do this. All right? Okay, recognize your need. Recognize that you're thirsty. And come to him. You, you may not even <clears throat> believe in the way you'd like to. You may not even have enough faith. You may not be trusting him. Ask him to help you with that too. I love the poor dad, you know what I mean, where his son was sick and the, and the disciples couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't get, cast the demon out of him. And he, and he came to Jesus and, and Jesus said to him, if thou, believest all, if, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. And the poor man looked at Jesus and he, and he said, oh, listen, <clears throat> I believe, help thou mine unbelief. I can't even do that right. God understands that you can't even do that right. Come to him with your brokenness and ask him. Tell him you want this abundant life. You want this victory. You want all of it. All right? I stand and we'll pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, would you bless us tonight? Lord, we long for victory. We long to walk with you and to know your power in our lives. Now, Lord, would you work in our hearts and lives this night? Lord, we need to come to the living waters that we might know your presence and your power. And, Lord, that we might touch others. Lord, this is a thirsty world. They need to hear from you. They need to see you. Lord, would you bless let us be the people that create a blessing, not because we're anything, but because you're great and you have enough uh, to meet even the needs of a, of a thirsty world. In Jesus' name, amen.